WCB Podcast, your source for all things Chicago Blackhawks and everything hockey, with your host, let's do it, Jerem Tanner and Noli. All right, welcome to another edition of the WCB Podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. It's Tanner, it's Jerem. I did that reverse. I don't know why, but what is up, bud? <laughs> hey, countdown again. One week, baby. One <laughs> week. Go. Well, as you're listening to this, six days until the Blackhawks are are we doing the McDavid stuff yet? Is it the Chicago Bedards or are we still doing Chicago Blackhawks? Dude, it's the Chicago Corey Perry's. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he just scored in the preseason game, so let's go. <laughs> yeah, so um awesome episode, as you probably tell by our promotion and the title of this episode. We have Daniel Carcillo the car bomb on the program talking about his career um, post-career, all the amazing stuff that he's doing. It's just, it's a lot of information, but it's a lot of great and, and information, especially um, for those of you who don't know, he is working with magic mushrooms, microdosing mushrooms to help treat like CTE and depression and, and all the kind of stuff that, he picked up after a long career in the NHL um, and he knows his shit, man. Holy crap. Like, yeah. If, was... if you haven't really followed along with anything that Carcilla did since he left the league and there was a little bit of drama between like what was going on in the league with concussions and he was very outspoken about it. Um, just don't take any kind of, of I don't know what like bias into the interview because he's he's in a well, completely just, amazing place and, and I it, it was just such an awesome talk to have and let's just put it this way too he even brought that up in the in the interview that he's yeah. like if you look back at my Instagram and social media from like five years ago he's like I was a little centric out there and all that kind of stuff and and if you followed him yeah you'll see you'll notice a complete difference and. It's just, it's amazing the work that he's doing and, yeah. and giving you options to get this done or to get stuff done that you don't have to go the traditional route. Um, not getting preachy here or anything like that, but it's like there is other options out there besides. Right. You know, and the he's standard. helping, he's helping tons of people, you know, like former players, veterans. It's just, it's a, it was just a great talk all in all. In all. And, you know, I really hope everybody really enjoys it. Yeah. But, but before that, before that we're going to do a little housekeeping here um a little hawks talk um just because i don't know if we're going to record an episode next week before the season starts we're still trying to figure this out because finally announcing this uh for the home or not the home opener the season opener we will be doing a watch along on our youtube channel um it's gonna be me it's gonna be tanner yeah i'm gonna talk to maybe my son might just be in the background. Oakley might be making an appearance. <laughs> hey. uh, maybe we can convince Noli to put the books down, the nerd, and uh, come in and, and watch the Blackout Hockey with us. Maybe we can get Poets. Maybe Poets will come out and do a little uh, play-by-play action, you know. Mr. It I want to be Pat Foley. <laughs> the only good thing is it's not – it's an ESPN broadcast, so Chris Foster's won't be on it. Oh, true, true, true. But, but it will, will be an ESPN broadcast. <laughs> that's true. But luckily for us – we legally can't show the game. We can't have audio. So we'll be able to watch it, but we won't have to hear it. 
So I'll have headphones on. You can have your headphones and do whatever you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah. So real quick, going into it, we are six days out from opening night. Uh, the roster is starting to come together. I have to do this. Um, yeah, it's here. it's looking pretty pretty set. Um, there's a few injuries to take care of. I mean, I think I don't know if Kershev is out for a while, but he's hasn't wasn't skating since after the first preseason game. He's he not in tonight, so it would be yes, like a Tuesday. But I'm assuming that he will be on the on that opening night roster because I haven't seen anything about him missing it. I haven't seen anything about him actually being injured. So when you said that today, I was a little there was like a there was like a Richardson update about Savoy or Savoy, where after I'm pretty sure he's got a fucked up broken femur. Oh yeah, he, the they said it today. Minnesota. Yeah. He broke, um, broken leg, he had surgery on that Sunday in Minnesota. They had asked about Kershev in the same discussion, and he was like, oh, he's just got, like, a little wrist thing. He's just take, he's just resting. So, probably this point. yeah, it, like, it, there's no reason to, like, have him play, like, these next few – or the, the few preseason games up until now, which he, I don't think he's playing tonight. They'll have – they have, like, Entwistle and Kachuk, which I haven't watched the game at all, so I don't know who's playing on what line. Um. But Kershev with Reichel is pretty good. I mean, Connor Bedard just looks fucking unbelievable. Dude, it's just, and it's so funny. I know people are just joking around. They're like, oh, he can't even score on James Reimer and all that kind of stuff. It's like, good. I hope he doesn't score in the preseason. Save it for fucking six goals against Pittsburgh. Fucking and the thing go. is, like, he's been nothing but getting more pissed off. <laughs> like, yeah. Know? It's like, all right, yeah, go ahead and keep pissing him off. And then when the, when the season starts, he's going to put in 10. Like, oh, my God. He had two assists uh, in the first game, and he was upset with his performance, and he looked amazing. It was just like, oh, okay. I kind of wrote about that in hockey, in my Hockey Buzz article after that first Hawks preseason game, and it was like, is he going to burn himself out putting too much pressure on him? Like, if he gets upset with himself for having two primary assists and a 2-1 win, and it's not good enough, what's he going to be like when this team, like, legitimately loses when the games actually matter? Oh, uh, I don't know. We'll see. He might but, get frustrated, but I, I don't think know. so. I think this is the latest update. I think training camp rosters at 34 players, which is 23 forwards, eight defensemen, three goaltenders. Um, some notable names that got sent down over the past couple of days is Drew Camesso, um, Philip Ruse, Marcel Marcel, Ethan Del Mastro, um, Nolan Allen all went down to Rockford. Um, Gavin Hayes, Paul uh, Lewinsky, and who else was it? There's a couple other people that got released to their. Uh, Louis Crevier, Ryder Rolston, Gust, Hardman, Sini. All the, those those three got yeah those three got sent down to Rockford. So it's. Names that we are all expecting that aren't going to be on there. Um, yeah, I think Nolan Allen has done a did a good job in his action up there to kind of be the the first man up when it comes yeah. time to. Well, he's. I think he's going to get top ten, top two minutes in the AHL, right? Right. Yeah. So I think he's going to be first man up when um ultimately a defenseman goes down or somebody's not performing. I'm still very intrigued. I think it's leaning towards that Korchinski is going to be sticking around with the team for a little bit here. Yeah. Um, 
I'm still intrigued on how long of a leash is. He's had a couple moments in the preseason where he's looked good. There's a couple moments where it's like he really needs to work on on some, you know, what was it? What am I thinking? Um, puck, not puck control, like putts, puck smarts. Yeah. Um, and this not hockey trying to force play. hockey IQ. There we go. Jesus. Um. Yeah. I mean, he's got the feet. He's got the. He knows what to do. He's got confidence. Um. It's just he's in that place of. Like, is it better to keep him up or just have him be too big of a fish in a small pond, you know, in the get W? Get the Shane Wright treatment. Get Let him go down to Rockford. <laughs> yeah, right? You, that would be nice. We'll but, see. Yeah. I mean, other than that right now, it's pretty much steady as she goes. I don't think there's really any surprises. Surprise players making this team opening night. Um I don't. I'm still to the point. Like I don't hate this team. I like again. I have to no. emphasize. Uh, like, I don't expect us to win and compete, but I I think this is going to be an entertaining and fun season to watch. Despite yeah. probably losing a it'll good be, majority, it'll of be games. it'll be a fun one. That's for sure. And like the good thing about this team, and the same as like last year, is like there's going to be opportunities for young guys. And yeah. so, like, it'll be cool to see, like, who seizes those opportunities. I think last year we saw it with, like, Cole Gutman. Like, yeah. once he got once he got the call up until he got hurt, he was looking great. And so, like, getting more opportunities like that for other guys, is, I think it's always really exciting. Definitely. Um, yeah, do you have anything else you want to? Uh, Zegris got signed for less than I thought he was going to sign, but that's about it. Yeah, Zegris got signed, Vasilevsky's out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vasilevsky's out. So Tampa's no longer going to be good. Mrazic, just for a warm body? No. (laughs) No, I'm trying to think, how can we we swindle Tampa again? Yeah, I mean, we could send them Soderblom. (laughs) Everybody's hating on Soderblom. I just don't, I don't know. He'll be okay. I just don't think he's going to have a good season. I don't think any old is going to have a good season. Bring back Stalock. <laughs> he knows how to handle this team. <laughs> so, but all right. Yeah. So we are going to wrap it up here. We'll send it over to the Carcillo interview. Um, we'll make sure to update everybody on what the schedule is looking like next week for, for the show. If we're going to try to do something, if not, um, Make sure to follow all social medias at WCB podcast. Um, listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast feed and watch it on YouTube. Um, yeah. What do you want to call it? <laughs> I, I got to ask. Uh, uh, just the Daniel Carcillo, right? Like <laughs> the Carcillo. There's I can't, there's no real. Yeah. Just, Yeah. I was gonna. Say, there's no like magic mushroom Daniel Carcillo like <laughs> pun I can make. So it's just like, all right. <laughs> all right. So this is the Carcillo. Um. Yeah. We will really hope you guys enjoy this. Let us know what you guys think of the interview. Um. It's, oh, what am I? Carcillo Cybomb. <laughs> Carcillo Cybomb. <laughs> no, like Carcillo Cybin and Carcillo and Carbomb. Carcillo Cybomb, bro. <laughs> Carcillo Cybin. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Carcillo Simon episode. Oh, okay. All I'm, right. I, it's right off the top. Just call it the Daniel Carcillo interview because <laughs> hilarious. All right. Well, we will we'll see you on the next one, guys.
All right, so today we are joined by a very special guest. He is a two-time Stanley Cup champion, played in 429 games over nine seasons with the Coyotes, the Flyers, the Hawks, the Kings, and the Rangers. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program, the car bomb himself, Daniel Carcillo. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, let's, uh, let's kick it off just like at the very beginning, right? Just with hockey. Uh, like what, what got you started? What got you into the game? Oh, so I grew up in Canada. So as soon as you're, you're pretty much born with skates. And I grew up in a small town called King City, Ontario. And really everything revolved around the rink. Uh, it was only a town of then it was like 7,000 people. So if you weren't playing hockey, you know, you weren't in the, uh, you know, it was hard to make friends in school. And, uh, and I was just really attracted to the game. I've always been really attracted to things that have different rules. Um, and that was just a different rule set where, you know, if a kid was touching the puck, you, you were able to, you know, test his will or test how far he would go, um, by, you know, leaning on him and, and, uh, trying to break him down, score goals. Uh, it was cool to, you know, be a part of a team, um, work towards a goal every, every single tournament, every single game, every single season. So I was just attracted to those aspects. Just, I was super competitive as a kid and, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really great anger management tool. <laughs> um, growing up, yeah, growing up in Canada, like every kid's dream is to be playing NHL, professional hockey and all, like, all that. Was there like a specific moment like throughout your youth career or like where there was a moment where you're like, oh man, this is legitimately an option for me? Yeah, I didn't take it too seriously. I Anything that my parents put me in, and I grew up with two brothers, and they were hardworking, you know, blue crawler Italian people. We had to do a hundred percent or else, you know, they wouldn't, they would take us out. So uh, we took that mentality towards like school, towards hockey. And I, I figured I had a shot at it when I was, uh, I was about 13 turning 14. I always played double A. So I never played in the best league, triple A league in, in Canada. Uh, and had this opportunity to go for a tryout against 14 other kids for one spot on a triple A team midway through the season. So it was a unique opportunity and, you know, obviously made the team. And then I was playing on a team with like Anthony Stewart and Brent Burns and uh, Sean Samuel, Luch, Luciano Aquino, just a bunch of guys that turned, ended up turning pro. And I got drafted, you know, in the sixth round to the OHL, pretty obscure. I uh, was getting scouted by, you know, universities, Cornell, RPI, Bowling Green. And I figured then that, you know, I had a chance. There's not many opportunities to kind of get out of your, your hometown uh, when it's that small. So really figured I had a, a pretty good shot at it and just, you know, applied myself pretty heavily into, you know, just watching everything I ate and, and um, you know, every single practice, every single minute I was, I was severely focused on just getting better. And if you do that at that age, it's amazing the leaps and bounds that you could make. Cause at 15, I wasn't the best out there by, by any means, but uh, by the time I was 18, you know, I was ready to uh, get drafted in the NHL 73rd overall. And uh, I was ready to turn pro right out of high school. I mean, that was a stacked draft too, that you were, you were selected in. Would you, yeah. Yeah, would you say that your style of play was kind of the same when you were a kid or were you more of finesse and then grew into kind of a grittier player? I, I always liked hitting yeah. and I always played the game just really, really hard. So uh, I don't think that ever changed. 
Um, and I think when I was in the OHL, I remember thinking like, I'm a 165 pounds right now, soaking wet. I play the game hard. I know I'm going to have to fight when I go to the next level. Luckily on all the teams in the OHL, there were tons of guys that would just step up and fight for me because I was a 30 goal scorer every year. So I put on some weight that summer and, and, uh, you know, about 20 pounds. And when I got into the AHL, um, you know, just started crushing guys with hits, et cetera. And then, you know, I'm just a very honorable person. I, you know, if you, if you want to fight the way the game was and kind of still is, you see it in today's game, the guys are going to stand up for their teammates once they get, whether, even if it's a clean hit, you know, they're going to, they're going to want to, you know, um, you're going to have to answer the bell. So, uh, I knocked out, uh, Kevin Cauley, who was like a pretty tough dude. And you got to remember, like when you're going to these training camps, when you're drafted, you're going to training camps for three, three years. So like everybody in the organization knows you and they knew me as like a skill guy. Yes. I played the game hard. I'm, I was sometimes dirty, but for the most part, I was pretty, I didn't fight. And so when that happened, I was kind of like pinholed. Uh, everybody then wanted a piece of me because that guy was like a pretty tough you know, middle to light heavyweight. So, um, just kind of, you know, it's just kind of happened. And then you're on your, you're always on your toes. And, and like I said, I just played the game extremely hard. And if, if guys wanted to fight, you know, I was, uh, early part of my career. I, I really enjoyed beating people up. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you can you can tell by looking at the stats that you have in that first year of your AHL with over three hundred pims. <laughs> like, well, how like, many how many fights was that? Like, <laughs> I don't even know in the AHL. I don't know, but at that time, you were able to add, you know, you were able to add fighting to your resume. So I can skate, I yeah. can hit, I can shoot. Uh, I was a great passer. I was a very hard worker. And then if you add that component to your game, that the unpredictability, and then if you fucked around with either me or anybody else, like we were, we were going to answer the bell. And back then, this is 2000, I was drafted in 2003. This is 2006, 2005. That was still the era where like Dennis Bond being, you know, McGratton and these guys would like, we would start the game with like three fights before you know, and there'd be five seconds off the clock, you know? So I never really understood that aspect of the game. I always wanted to make people like people had to, you know, either they had to get a big hit and I was going to come after them or I was going to get a big hit. You, you almost had to earn a fight from me. And, um, but if you did, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we went, we went pretty hard at each other back then for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, being like that grit player too, what I what I loved about you, like watching you, is when you were on every other team, I couldn't stand you. Like you were with <laughs> a player that I hated to see on the other other side of the ice. But the second you came into Chicago, you're like one of my favorite players out there. I loved bringing that grit to the team, and it's just something the Chicago teams really never had. Is that something that really like adds extra pride to your to your sleeve? Like that that knowing like people will hate you, but then the second like you're fighting for them. They're like, all right, this is, this is our guy. This is who we're, we're backing and all that kind of, you love, you love to hate time of situation. Yeah. I mean, guys like myself, um, not that I was as good or skilled, but like, you know, Martian and, and just guys that played the game hard that, you know, wouldn't, would sometimes would, would answer the bell. And I mean, if I wasn't, if if I didn't go into Boston and people weren't 
throwing shit at me when I went through the tunnel and, and, you know, I didn't open up my Twitter and have 200 hate messages. I didn't think I did a good job. You know, I wasn't, it's yeah. not like I got on the score sheet because guys get on the score sheet in different ways. And, and the way that I got on the score sheet or got noticed every single night, the foundation of my game was to always get hits, to try to wear the team down and to get them thinking about me rather than thinking about Patrick Kane, Taves, Hosa, Sharp, Seabrook, Keith. And then also, on you know, if somebody was was looking to start something or, or take liberties on any of these guys, they knew who was coming over the boards next. And sometimes I would fight, but sometimes I would just cross-check you in the face, you know. And, and so early on in my career, I didn't, I didn't have a very good grasp on who I was as a person. I was living very hard on and off the ice. And, and sometimes I wouldn't know what I was going to do. So, um, you know, and people saw that. And, and I think that that is an element that teams liked and teams wanted. And you come across guys that fight, but you don't come across too many guys that like to fucking fight, that don't yeah. mind sticking their face out there. And don't mind taking a punch to give a punch. And that's that's what I always tried to embody. You're kind of like the dying breed of that. Cause I mean, I feel like after you like your guys from like your draft class, all that started leaving the league, like you don't see that as much. Like you see guys fighting because you know they have to, because you know, you gotta stick up for the teammate. But it's like you don't see anybody that their job is to go out there and fight. And I think that's I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing in the league right now. Um it's... Good, I, I got in, so I started watching games here with a, with a, with a, with a vet, um, with Matthew was Buckley and he invited me to some of his games and I had a weird relationship with the game when I first left and, and, you know, with, with the concussions and I was angry, I was frustrated. I was, I was definitely very sad that a lot of my friends had passed away and that, you know, guys are getting neurodegenerative disease. So I had to kind of step away for a bit. But when I went to my first game with my son, you know, I was like, Oh, boy, like, this is why people loved what I did, you know, and, and I love watching the intensity of what these guys do. And so I've course corrected a lot of the things that I felt and, and saw and how I acted because if people grow, you know, and people go through, um, a lot of, of changes and, and, and different types of realizations. And what I realized uh, while I was watching these games was number one, like this is like MMA on skates and there's no out of bounds and guys are going so hard. And there's, it's such a, it's such a cool sport to watch. doesn't translate over into TV too very well, but when you're at a game, you are fully in it. And I didn't have that type of perspective until I got on the other side of the ropes. And I can see why, you know, people stand up and yell for fights, you know, and, and for honor and for sticking up for one of your teammates. And, and it just makes a lot of sense, you know? And, and so when I saw that, I was like, geez, um, you know, right now in my head, there's enough information out there, whether the league wants to admit it or not, when these guys sign on the dotted line, you know, like you're going to take damage and you're going to have to get repaired when you leave the league. Right. Um, when early on, when I was playing and prior to 2013, when the NFL concussion lawsuits came out, these leagues were hiding this information from us. 
right? This protocol right. wasn't as advanced. And so you saw a period of time there where a lot of guys passed away, accidental overdoses, um, you know, suicides. Uh, and a lot of them had this CTE, this neurodegenerative disease that's very much like ALS and Parkinson's, where you just completely lose yourself and the people around you. And it's scary. And so if that's the case today, um, you know, I feel okay and morally okay going to a game. And I feel like I've done something in the way of like waking these guys up to be like, Hey man, this is dangerous. This is what you can do for your brain right now. It's not necessarily tied to the league, but I don't think it has to be. And so hopefully guys, you know, I know that like, and I help a lot of like former dudes like me that, that were my age, we start hitting at four years old, man. You know, now they're hitting at 13, right? So it's like things have gotten better. And, uh, and so I acknowledge that and, and respect that. And, and now I just try to help in different ways rather than highlight the negative. I, I just create, um, positive things because sickness will unfortunately always be there. I think part of the thing that helps with it too, is like a little bit of the mentality of some of the players that are coming into the game at like the age of 18 now is a little bit different than like back in the early 2000s. Like I feel with the, I don't know, it just. It seems that they have more like a better picture of like what they want to do and what they want to achieve rather than just be like, I'm going to go make the show and like have a great fucking time. <laughs> yeah, dude. So when, when I was at four years old, okay, the first thing that our coach taught us was, was where to slash people. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so like, and, and the way that the game got taught then is completely different than it is now. Do I agree with it? Not 100%, because at the end of the day, you have to beat a team in a seven-game series to win, yep. right? You know, um, So the way that it was taught to us is the way that you play the game is you, from, from the very beginning, from the opening draw, you take your heel and you, and you drive it into the top of their foot and you let them know that it's going to be a battle right and so you take their will to just go after that puck you take it away and then as soon as you see the first sign of hesitation from one of their players the whole bench sees it the team sees it and then you then you go even harder that's the way that we learned right it wasn't and then and then the thinking is when they hesitate and they don't want to touch the puck then the offense comes and 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 then you're in their zone and you have puck possession etc and now it's quite simply you know, and then you play six months and you play a different sport six months. There was no 12 months of the year. Now it's 12 months of the year. It's a big business and, and it's all skill. And dude, I was on the ice with some of these kids, uh, like two weeks ago before they went to like college and so I was, I was fucking blown away, man. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, these guys are just, it's just different, a different yeah. type of skill. It's, it's really amazing to watch to be, to be quite honest. Losing the elements of, of, you know, the nastiness and stuff. Um, it's there. It's still kind of there in the playoffs. Yeah. Not, not to the extreme that, that it needs to be, but I, I really, I think it's good. I think it's a good product that they're putting out. I think guys are like Zegris and these kids are starting to be themselves. They're, they're getting different sponsorships. They're growing the game. There's, there's, um, it's all positive. Yeah, like having the those types of players actually be able to show like 
their actual personality when in the past it's always been like you know get pucks in deep <laughs> like yeah. that's just everybody's natural answer to everything and, well, I think that, it's just... and then yeah it's it was it's strange it's a strange thing because um when when you're a player the coaches were so stringent and so hard on you that like any type of stray outside of the line like you weren't gonna get another chance you just weren't you know and you might even sit out the next game because of it and now i feel like you know coaches are are able to like any business or any team it's about connecting with the person or the or the players or 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 the group of individuals that you're gonna try to accomplish this goal which is the first goal is always to make the playoffs and then the second goal is always to, to win the cup and I just feel like people are just a little bit more conscious of of uh, the way that they communicate, and that's changed. It's definitely gotten softer um, in some respects, but in other respects, it always it's still the same. Like the responsibility and the onus is always on the player. It's not on the coach. It's always on the player, and you have to be prepared to do your job. And if your job is is to be a skill guy and and score goals, well, you better do it. If your job is to check and 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 take the will away and then you better do it and if your job is to be a goalie just be weird and stop the fucking puck you know <laughs> yeah i used to be a goalie so I just... there you go <laughs> yeah i knew it <laughs> oh, i man. used to i actually started as goalie too man i'm a fucking i'm a big weirdo you know <laughs> I like to say like I wasn't like the weirdest of the weird, so that's all that's all that I, I really cared about. Every goalie says that, by the <laughs> yeah, way. I know. <laughs> I know. But you know, I really believe it in my heart. <laughs> yeah, no, I can tell, yeah. You weren't for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I start I started out as goalie and then uh, you know, when I started coming out of the crease and stuff, the coaches are like to try to hit guys and yeah. Maybe maybe try forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. That, I did that a little bit too. It was just uh, throwing some fists around in, in the crease, and they're just like, what the, "The fuck is wrong with him?" And I'm just mm-hmm. like, "Hey, nobody steps in this crease, baby." That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I don't need my defense to step up for me. There um, you go. I just want to go, go back a, a little bit and talk in, into about like your playing career and just what what was it like that first moment you stepped on the NHL ice? Just what was that? What was that feeling for you? It was. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. It was the culmination of, of a, just a lot of hard work. It wasn't necessarily a dream, like I mentioned for me at three, but it was just something that I felt like I could accomplish and I accomplished it in a very short period of time. It felt like, you know, when I made that commitment at 15, 14 or 15, you know, within four years I was there and then all of a sudden within 12 your career is done and it really does go by really fast you know and and there were a ton of guys that are like you know make sure you enjoy it you know because I'm on my last you know and and a lot of people say that now about my kids and stuff and thank god I've had that experience with the sport because now I believe it you know and I, I try to cherish every moment and the first time I stepped on the ice is in Arizona in Scottsdale and when Gretzky was my coach and all Samuelson, Grant Fuhrer is like a really cool group of dudes to be around. Jeremy Roenick was there. Shane Doan was my captain. Um, Derek Morris was amazing. Uh, and oh, it no, was, look at this roster right now. Holy crap. 
Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, a lot of guys were on their last legs, right? It was kind of yeah. like a place to go to retire. Um, and I ended up there. You know, I got I asked for a trade from Pittsburgh because I just knew I was ready and I didn't want to wait any longer. And there's kind of a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get drafted, if the guy ahead of you, even if you're playing better and he was there for two years, they kind of give him the shot first. And I just remember going out, man, high stepping, no bucket, um, you know, white skates with black laces, graphs. And I remember my trainer like refused to buy them for me. <laughs> and so I had to actually go to the ice den and pick up, you know, these black, black laces. <laughs> and I just, I, I played, I think it was 14 games. It was right at the trade deadline and, um, fought a bunch of times, scored a bunch of times, uh, racked up some points and that really, you know, set up the next year, my first full, full year, which, which I think I led the league in penalty minutes. Um, and, uh, you know, some good, some great things happened. Some bad things happened too. You know, I blew my knee out, my PCL in a fight. And, and, um, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, one thing that I don't think people realize and not enough guys talk about is how hard it is to do what we did on a consistent basis. I would challenge anybody to just do that for a month. I would challenge anybody to do our workouts that we had to do in the summer for a week. It's, it's a different type of mindset that can commit to how hard and how much suffering and pain you have to go through for hopefully a little bit of, of joy, you know, a little yeah. bit of like, I mean, the whole concept of like not counting score and, and there's no loser and winner is fucking unbelievable to me because that is what this life is about. It's about putting in the work and being able to beat somebody at a sport like and then you feel good about the work. And if you lose, then you have to adjust and look at why you lost and then hopefully go and work a little harder in practice or in the gym and then come back and then you win. And so, um, yeah, it was, um, it was an amazing career, man. I made, you know, played with a lot of great guys. Um, obviously winning was, was, you know, twice was, was pretty special. The guys in Chicago were just all amazing down to earth guys like that that group of dudes was was something else man i'll always cherish that time there for sure we're back with another week of football and DraftKings sportsbook is keeping us in on the nfl action with great offers every single game day new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets throw five dollars on any of this week's epic max and walk away with an instant winner And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign in with the code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.com. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas City. Licensed partner, Golden Nut, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age. Varies by jurisdictions, void in Ontario. Uh, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility 
terms of responsibility, game resources, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, uh, eligibility and dis, dis, ugh, deposit restrictions apply. Yeah, so what you're talking about the time in Chicago, like just you talk about stepping on the ice for the first time, and you're just like, wow, this happened. So then what was it like when you get handed that Stanley Cup for the first time in 2013? Like what? Like was you able to even comprehend and enjoy like what was happening in that in that moment, or is that something like you kind of realize more down the road, like what how amazing that was? Um, yeah, I think the second time I won it, I was a little happier to be honest because um, the first time I won it, I was kind of pissed I wasn't in the lineup. You know, I was kind of pissed that you know other guys played over me, and and I was still very much in my prime, you know, and so I. I took those lessons from, from that. And, you know, there's things that you do right on the team. Like you, you try to be just a positive influence, no matter what you're dealing with. Like I never really, never really showed it. Um, but it was hard. It was hard. It was, it was difficult to not, to not play it, only play four games. But that being said, to be around the guys, to be around such a strong leadership group to be around guys that had just so much conviction didn't fucking matter if we were going to go down six goals we knew we were going to come back you know and it was it was pretty pretty special and cool uh for whatever reason i've i've always kind of been surrounded by people that could show me the way or a way of of manifesting something and then just putting in the work and, and preparing for an opportunity that you don't think is going to come. And then when it does come, fuck, we were, we were ready, you know, all of us. And so, and my role sometimes is to make the, not sometimes all the time was to make the playlist, you know? And so like, I was always just kind of like the hype guy and, and just, you know, um, getting guys fucking ready to go. And, and I knew, you know, all the guys kind of favorite songs. So I'd pick two, three songs from each dude and, and um just little stuff like that you know like make yeah. make it fun make it special make it memorable and you know you go on a hype machine now and i still have that stanley cup playlist and um you know it's awesome. like you're 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 right back in it you know you're right back in it so yeah it was it was it was yeah it was it was pretty cool man it was pretty cool and then just to share the time with um with all the guys afterwards and and i mean it's pretty remarkable how um you know how beat some of these guys are right like how just like destroyed oh, yeah. they are and uh so to have the fun and, and to tour the city and stuff and be a part of that was was pretty special yeah so after after that uh 2015 cup win i if you want to kind of explain just like what's gone on since since then like career-wise and like where you are currently and just like yeah. what's kind of been going on just unwind all that um, yeah, I mean, you know, so after 2015, just stopping, um, on my own accord, I, you know, obviously my friend that, that year, Steve Monitor passed away and, you know, I saw him get cleared for four concussions in 12 weeks. And it was his, he had 19, you know, in a, in a league that, uh, that I thought should have took a little better care of him and us. Um, and so when I saw the same symptoms in myself, I just had my son. I had my seventh concussion in March. That was actually the last game I ever played. Um, and, but again, I, I stuck around the team because I knew like in 13, I was just going to bring like whatever I could, you know, to, to make the run fun 
for the guys. Right. You know, I knew I wasn't going to play. And um, and so then, you know, we won and, and that was great. And I didn't, but then I like, I just became really angry at how like sick I was, you know? And then I, I didn't really want to go around the team. Um, I didn't, I did the alumni stuff, you know, for, for a little while, but I was just so, I was just dealing with so many symptoms. And, um, so it just became pretty overwhelming and I just had to kind of, I had to step back, take a step back and, and just, uh, almost shut myself off from, from that, that side of my life. And then I just decided to, you know, try to raise awareness, um, tell people what was truly going on with me and then take them on a journey. And I'm still taking them on a journey of just health and wellness. And I knew I would get better. I know you can get better. And it, it, it was pretty alarming to me how, how doom and gloom it was when you talk to these doctors about like concussion and dementia and, and neurodegenerative disease. And I just don't buy into that stuff. You know, I never bought into it. I knew that I was going to get better for four years. It was, you know, trying, um, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals that doctors would prescribe going to CT brain banks, concussions, uh, brain scans, vestibular training, which which is your earlobe fluid where you feel you are in space, ocular training, um, autonomic, you know, heart rate stuff, memory, short-term, long-term, hyperbaric chamber, float tanks, cranial sacral, mox acupuncture. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you name it, I tried it, right? To decompress this brain and to, to fix my slurred speech, my, my light sensitivity, my, my headaches, my head pressure, my anxiety, my depression, my suicidal ideation. And I got to a point in 2019 where... And then all the while you're reading, right? You're reading these PubMed papers about, about what happened and possibly how you could fix it. What are the things that could repair the damage that I've obviously sustained since I was four and, and across, you know, the league and across 164 fights. And thank God I came across a study from the Imperial College of London. Um, and thank God I listened to these, to these doctors when I was at these clinics. Because the number one thing they were saying was they can identify an area of my brain that's shut down due to trauma, common misconceptions, concussions on the whole brain. It's on one of the six areas of the brain. And then we're going to wake it up based off of these exercises. So um, I was like, okay, great. And then I saw this study and, and they were saying they're going to connect these hemispheres. And here was this placebo brain. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. And, uh, and a brain on psilocybin, on magic, it's the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And here were these lines, um, the placebo brain looked okay, maybe like 20 lines. The psilocybin brain under fMRI had 200. Jeez. You couldn't even see any spaces. And so a light bulb went off in my head and I was, I was like, you know, maybe I can get, maybe I, maybe I could get access to this. So then I started researching. I didn't want to get arrested because I knew it was a schedule one. And so I went to a decriminalized city in, in Denver, Colorado, which was the only one at the time. Um, and then luckily, again, about, you know, putting out different thoughts and, and, and manifesting something. A teammate saw how, how bad I was getting online and stuff. And he's like, man, he's like, come, come here. I, I think this could help you. And so I went there and, and PhD biochemist, I did a, I did a ceremony with him and and then I, I knew nothing gets fixed in five hours. So I made a regimen of, you know, small doses. And then I was researching a lot about CBD. So CBD is a, a natural neuroprotectant. 
Um, obviously it matters if it's minimally processed. So going for like isolate isn't the way you want to try to stick to full spectrum, but the, uh, the U S government owns, owns the patents on CBD specifically against, and this is where my research brought me neuronal death as it relates to neurodegenerative diseases like ALS, Parkinson's dementia, Alzheimer's. So a light bulb went off in my head. Everybody should be on this because if it if it helps protect neuronal death, which neurons are always dying as we get older, um, then it can maybe help safeguard my, I have CT, I know I do. I don't have symptoms anymore and I don't think I'm going to die from it, but I know I have it. I have to have it, right? All the guys who play in the NHL have to have it. All guys who play hockey probably have a little bit of it. Um, it's nothing to be scared about if you're proactive. So, um, CBD was something that I started to incorporate in my, in, in my everyday aftercare after I did a big dose, um, which jolted my nervous system. And within two weeks, all of these symptoms started to lessen in intensity or all but fade away. Um, knew nothing gets fixed in five hours. So we made a microdosing regimen with the CBD. And then we used mushrooms like, you know, lion's mane and reishi and cordyceps, things you can buy at, at Whole Foods. And this is all um, just in ingesting? Or yeah, this you, is all okay. just, yeah, taking, so like, you know how people take pharmaceuticals every morning Yeah, that the doctor prescribes? This is just taking the, you know, um, CBD pill? in a vegan capsule. I okay. take three pills every morning. Yeah, completely natural. Um, and, and I always take the weekends off. And then I find time um, every fifth month to take a full month off. Because with natural products, kind of like, you know, coffee, etc., you, you build up a tolerance. Um, and then I tested my brain and my blood six months later. I didn't need to test it, but I wanted to because it's so heavily stigmatized. And it was completely clear, man. No abnormalities with my brain scans and my blood work was completely clear. Um, so, you know, a light bulb went off and I was, I, I was hesitant to talk about it too hard until I got to a year. After I got to a year, I mean, I'm at five now. And, you know, my wife calls me Benjamin Button. You know, she hates it that I continue to look younger and younger. And, and <laughs> it, these things have amazing you know, neuro anti-inflammatory benefits. And, and it's not the only thing that I do though, right? There's, I, I watch my alcohol intake. I watch my sugar intake. I work out every day or try to, um, you know, I try to eat well and, and, um, you know, I play sports and, and I stay active and I have a group of men that I hang out with because men need community after, after you're done, right. After you're used to being around a team and stuff. And I, I enjoy my family and my kids and, and I'm in their lives. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, fast forward five years, um, life couldn't be any better, man. Life couldn't be any better. I am by far the highest operating version of myself. Like yeah. no questions about it. If you guys like go on my Instagram, you can see former videos. I mean, I look so fucking sick when I was it, playing. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Cause so my sister had sent me a video that you had posted where mm. it shows like your like your time. It was like a, a headshot from like in the NHL to like where you are now. And I was just and like it it's just a video of like the the process that you went through. And I was just like, holy shit. I was like, oh my God, like he looks great. Like he <laughs> like he he's he looks completely different. And then that's why I had sent it to to Jerem here. And I was like, can you have you seen this? Like Carcillo looks amazing. Like <laughs> it's incredible. Like this progress that he has is just it's so cool. And so like I would like 
just looking into deeper like into what you were getting into and i was just like this is all very very interesting and just well sounds amazing and 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 it's it's it is illegal but i want to for listeners out there who are this could be the first time they're hearing this um there's an fda approved medicine called ketamine right now that's being used as a disassociative for anxiety depression a bunch of off-label ptsd we own three psychiatrist led clinics that we're administering this and it does it does wonders for people i mean i'm talking about putting people into remission after six sessions over over the course of four weeks and these are the most treatment resistant people meaning they've tried two or more drugs that didn't work okay and um, MDMA for PTSD is about to go for an NDA submission. That means it's a new drug application. Um, it's a 71% success rate with veterans and sexual abuse survivors, meaning you're curing people. This is not a Band-Aid. This is not something that you have to do right. the rest of your life. And then psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms that I took, uh, has been designated FDA breakthrough therapy designation with two different companies. So they that means that they know that this that this works. They don't quite know the mechanisms of action, et cetera. Science and doctors have to try to explain everything. But these these compounds have been, especially psilocybin, psilocybin specifically, iboga, ibogaine, ayahuasca. They've been used for tens of thousands of years by by indigenous tribes. Um, so it's a pretty good safety profile, not good enough for the Western culture, but if, if people are wanting to seek this out, how I got to the study was actually because John Hopkins published studies of psilocybin, Matthew Johnson, Roland Griffiths, the the amazing work they do there, where it takes away end of life anxiety for cancer patients. So if, if this Hmm. is doing that for people that know that they have a terminal diagnosis Imagine what it can do for people that maybe are just on this a little too too long, yeah. or or maybe they're just sad because you know somebody died and right. but they went to a doctor and then the doctor's saying that they have anxiety and then prescribing them you know the Zoloft or the Wellbutrin etc. So um, what I would what I would encourage people to do is just go research it and 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 see you know, um, the studies and, and if I think we all know some people that are, that are suffering and, um, then what I do with people is just go read it, go read it yourself. You know, don't, don't listen to me. I'm, I'm one story, hundreds of others of vets and stuff, but yeah, pretty amazing compounds. And I'm just really happy that they're, they're starting to get into the medical system. I think I've seen seen like certain like videos, I don't videos, but like random things on like Netflix and things like that, that talk about the mm-hmm. effects of like magic mushrooms that have on like depression and anxiety. And I've just always been getting more and more interested in that. I feel like it's kind of becoming a little bit more mainstream knowledge for people when it's still kind of like, like you said, because they're not able to explain it from the doctor's perspective, like they don't really know how to prescribe that kind of thing. Well, and it's not, this isn't profitable. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh yeah, keep hearing people is not profitable. That's not good for business. Right. Not good for business. So dumbest shit ever. (laughs) But you just have to. Yeah, you gotta just. You gotta just wake up a little bit. You know, like people. Um, if you're if you're hurting, if you're suffering, if you think that this could be something that that you could take advantage of, there's ways to access it legally. You know, right now. There's, there's a difference between a full spectrum mushroom 
and a synthetic mushroom that's being developed through the FDA. And there's a reason that all of our medicine that we take is synthetic because it's patentable, number one. And so then these companies can block other companies out for 40 or 60 years so they get more profits. And and it's it's replicatable, meaning, you know, I, I, I founded a company and I took it through the FDA and we did a pre-IND meeting, uh, investigational new drug application with my regiment that got me better. And so I learned the inside and out of how how our drugs get made and and they have to be made within a 0.01% variance, the batch. So it has to be synthetic. Can't be cannabis because there's too much variance. It can't be natural mushrooms. There's too much variance. That's why we have drugs. And then that's why we have nutraceuticals, right? Which are like almost like the legal or illegal yes. um, ways of, you know, and there's just certain things you can say and you can't say. You can't make claims. Right. Um, right. The only way you can make a claim is if you gather together 300 million and, and uh, develop, develop a synthetic medicine. <laughs> well, it's pretty wild. But uh, yeah, I think people are coming around, man. People are, people are starting to read. People are starting to take ownership of their own lives, which is, which is really positive, you know, really positive. I know for me, so I, I have Crohn's disease. I suffer from really bad depression, anxiety, all that mm. kind of stuff. And I have finally got to a point where I had a doctor willing to have the conversation with me with medical marijuana and all that kind mm. of stuff. Nice. Because going into looking at the pharmaceutical stuff, and it's just when you actually take a look at it, everybody just, oh, the doctor gave it to me and let's just take it. Mm. It's like when you actually look into it and like what you're putting into your body, there was at one point I was putting radiation in my body for, for one of my medication. And I had no idea about that, but talk, but since do using medical marijuana, I've never felt better. Like I've moved on to like, you know, absolute better, best version of myself. My depression is gone. My anxiety is very good with magic mushrooms and, and all this kind of stuff. Do you feel like, it potentially is taking that same path as, as the stats medical marijuana where like it had this stigma for a little bit. And now that there's more out there showing that it actually does work and Hey, it's just not for these stoners, you know, to go and have a good time. It's actually doing something for you. You yeah. know, like, is, is that like, well, so what you mentioned there, there's a bunch of stuff that you mentioned there that I'll try to unpack. That's really important, right? Like, like cannabis is like dirty. And, and mushrooms are like dirty, dirty for the like, it's dirty hippie crowd, you know, and, and obviously like the stigma is there, et cetera, you know, a bunch of burners going to Burning Man. Um, but like, I think what's really important and what is a little bit different than the medical marijuana space is that uh, we're able to, as an industry, as a psychedelic industry, validate what we do through the FDA. And that's why, like, I always say, like, I'm, I'm Switzerland, right? Like I've introduced decriminalized nature, um, initiatives, initiative 81, um, in, in Washington, DC, I've done congressional briefings and I'm passionate about that because policy influences how we think, how we feel. And with initiative 81, like I did it with a mom, Melissa Lavasani of the psychedelic medicine coalition, I'm a board member. And we've done the congressional briefings together who cured herself of postpartum depression. Um, and has worked in government for 25 years. And, and so, but these measures are able to get through because this is being validated through the FDA. So we could take that science and show, you know, 
the board in Washington, D.C., and they can read it, then they can hear from doctors. Yes, they'll hear from an athlete. They'll hear from vets. They'll hear from a mom. But it's, it's the science that everybody kind of follows, right? So I always say that we have to, you know, and people are going to access it differently. You're going to access it through, through maybe the medical system, right? Um, um, I might access it through the recreational system just because, you know, I want to try to use it for my sleep or, or just have fun or like do some yard work, you know, get high and, and, and go charge. Um, and so, and then there's also, um, there's nothing wrong, you know, from, from, from people like my parents wanting to go to a doctor to getting, getting a script, like that's just what they do. You know, that's mm -hmm. what they're used to. Right. Um, and then there's also like programs that are full spectrum for mushrooms, like measure 109 in Oregon, um, prop 122 in Colorado, where it creates this legal framework, just like medical marijuana or the marijuana industry, where you'll, you have manufacturers of the mushroom, you have testers of the mushroom, you have service centers, and then you also have facilitators. In this case, you need a facilitator because to responsibly do mushrooms, high doses, you, you definitely want to be sitting with somebody that can guide you through what could be a challenging experience, right? Um, so all of those things I support in order to, to try to get people to access this as much as they can, because it's, it's just such a better alternative than, than what we have right now. And what we have right now is completely inadequate. And it's a system that is really, it feels like our just preying on people. Um, and hopefully we can change that. You know, the only way we do that is through this like rigorous scientific process, you know, that yeah. costs a ton of money, but Hey man, people are really interested in it. Um, some people do it for the dollar signs, others do it, you know, for different reasons, but I feel like we need, we need all those people, you know, in order for this to, to work and congrats to you, man. Like that's, I love hearing stories like that. You know, number one, it's probably a lot less inexpensive than, than the other route, you know, yeah. and number two, you know, now you're a testament to others that are suffering with Crohn's, right. That, that, you know, you can, you can, you should tell your story a lot and, and, and show people, um, that's it. You know, like that's one of the things that I live by is, um, is to keep what I have. I have to, you know, freely give it away, meaning I have to talk about it you know, as much as I can, because there's a lot of people suffering out there and, and they're getting led down the wrong path. And maybe you can wake some people up. Yeah. I mean, with the way things get tossed around online, like nowadays, like getting information out there is just the number one thing. And that's just what you got to do. <laughs> got the encyclopedia, man. Like this thing can really hurt you, but this yeah. thing could really help you yeah, if you yeah. know how to control it, if you don't let it control you. You know, um, just, you know, you just got to watch it. You got to put some, man, this life's all about discipline, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and listen, like, dude, I am, I am so bad at fucking up. I fuck up daily, weekly, monthly. Uh, I still do. I still have drinks. I, I still smoke weed. I st I take mushrooms recreationally. It's not always therapeutically, <laughs> you know, um, but I do everything that I do like with intention and the things that I, the exercise helps me to make better decisions. Um, you know, the, sometimes the psychedelics help me to, to have four drinks instead of 10, you know? Um, and so like, I just have all of these layers that I've, that I've put 
into my life that just helped me live a more present, happy life, you know, and, and I, um, I want that for other people because it, it, for whatever reason, these phones make us feel like the world's burning down every day. And it's just not the case. You know, you can create your own world. You can create your own world with your family, with, with your friends. You don't have to watch the news. You don't have to take in all of this fear that, that they want us to. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. Let's wrap us up here. Well, let me really ask good. you guys a question. Are you guys uh, yeah. excited for bedard oh yeah bud yeah. <laughs> Dude, that that fucking move that he made the other night was pretty fucking oh sick. man the the first preseason game too where he oh my god yeah just, that was a nice sauce back there yeah he's the real deal huh i can't wait <laughs> i'm really just, I, I i wasn't expecting that question at all <laughs> no That's, Dude, yeah. i was like i mean i i was i was, I was pretty blown away at that yeah. uh well you know since we're talking moment. about it i was gonna ask too because like what do you what are your thoughts on this upcoming season like what do you any predictions oh, or anything yeah. no fuck no no i uh <laughs> <laughs> i just don't have the time man i wish i did i really yeah. do i wish i did i um no i'm just so focused on on uh, i've got you know i've just got these ventures that are just uh, taking up a lot of my time but i have the energy um i i have you know the focus right now and so yeah. you know i don't i just don't really other than like i'll go to so saturday i just told my boy we're gonna go to the panthers game my parents are in town and stuff so you know um after five o'clock weekends all about the family uh yeah. but uh but yeah no i just thought it was pretty pretty cool just following and obviously i get i probably the algorithm knows a lot of my followers are in chicago and, and stuff <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just, I found it pretty interesting and I was laughing because it's like, somebody said that he's never gone to McDonald's. I'm like, what? Yeah, right. Talk about discipline. Are you kidding me? But I don't know. I like, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, (laughs) you know, you never had like a Big Mac. You've never gotten drunk with the boys and just smashed 20 nuggets. And like, from what I've heard, but I guess it's a different, it's a different time. It's yeah, a different he, he's such a hockey nerd. Like they were talking to Tyler Johnson after one of like this day two or training camp. And he's like, yeah. Oh, he's a great kid talking to him and all that. But it's like the second, like you're talking about anything else. It's like, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Talk about hockey. It's like a little kid on Christmas. He lights up. He starts talking. It's like, I literally think his life is hockey 24 seven. Just a machine. And, yeah. It's pretty which, fucking. I mean, yeah. Did you see his legs? in in the combines yeah. there jesus christ he's gonna yeah. end up looking like marty st louis by the end of his career <laughs> yeah dude i played with marty and with the rangers there when we made that run jesus christ quadzillas they're fucking huge huge all right last question that i got with hockey you've yeah. played with so many ridiculous names oh, yeah. throughout mm-hmm. out your career do you have like a favorite line mate or a favorite teammate or one player that you're like oh shit i played with that guy <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I fucking started the year on Hosa and Kane's line in in L.A. I got hurt, uh, and then that's when Saad took. That was in 2013, but uh, yeah, that was pretty funny, you know, um, <laughs> playing with those guys. When I got back, like I got I got out there with them. Um, Kane was always just you know, you sit back on the bench even during the game. It was always I was always pretty enamored by guys that can. Uh, 
um, let the game come to them, you know, slow it down. Um, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, um, Hartnell in Philly, like Kimo Timonen, uh, just like your list is unreal. <laughs> yeah, Drew. Um, uh, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of guys that I I really enjoyed my time in 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 Philly and my time in in Chicago. You know, um, Sharpie Seabrook was amazing. Duncan Keith was just a fucking animal. Um, I mean, you could yeah, you could talk about these guys and their habits and and what you learn from them and glean from from how they operated Hosa, uh especially just like a true pro so um yeah Crawford was fucking awesome Ray Emery you know um yeah a lot of guys a lot of a yeah, lot of good memories you yeah. know um that really you take a ton of lessons man you take a ton of lessons into this into the real world Cause that's not the real world. So if you ever decide, if guys ever decide to leave hockey and not go into scouting and do that whole coaching thing and, and, and that whole thing again for the rest of their lives and identify as that, that, that person who did that sport, you could take a lot of lessons, man, that you learn from these guys and attention to detail and, and just be a savage in business, you know, and, 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 oh, yeah. and, 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 and really, apply yourself to do good things and then create different teams you know that's the cool thing about um you know the teams that i'm on right now with the business that we're doing with healing realty trust it's like we're just gearing up for a raise and and um you know i was talking to my my partner cody shandra and uh you know and 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 joe and i was like yeah you know i've been like hearing i a lot you know it's like we need to use we you know we need to like highlight the, the team and and um you know you you watch nba interviews it's always i ah, you watch hockey videos it's it's just like oh you had a great game oh that's because my teammates you know showed up and fucking you know um played really hard and put me in the right positions and you're always kind of passing the buck so um so yeah yeah i've taken a lot of lessons taking a lot of lessons and uh you know continue trying to continue to grow and and hopefully one day i can i can more meaningfully you know, do, do more in the hockey community with, with guys that, that want to transition out. Um, that's always been, it's always been a big goal of mine. Well, yeah. I mean, it really seems like you're, you're in a great place to like help out guys, like whether it's with that or just with the whole concussion issue too, like you have that knowledge, you have that in your back pocket where you, they can always just like reach out to you. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. Um, there's a, there's a pro skate that I just started first time in four years, two weeks ago. And, you know, first thing everyone's like, ah, you know, like don't know how to kind of, you know, act. And, uh, um, and you know, second skate, it's like, boom, questions about, Hey man, I stopped because of concussions. You know, you look like you're doing fucking great. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> how do I get started? I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. You know, love to love to help you. So just get guys started. And then the good thing about this medicine and this medicine work, when you do medicine work, it's all about you. Like you have to do the work. It's not really the medicine, you know? And it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's good to work with former athletes and, 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 and vets and stuff. Cause they just know how to fucking work, man. They know how to get down, you know? Awesome. Um, so, okay. Tell everybody where they can like follow you and like, yeah. learn more about <laughs> your stuff and all that. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, Daniel Carcillo 13 on Instagram, uh, Carbomb boom 13 on Twitter. 
uh, LinkedIn, Daniel Carcillo. Um, and uh, yeah, check out what we're doing with Healing Realty Trust, which is we're building the infrastructure for these FDA approved medicines. So for this experiential medicine, that infrastructure doesn't exist. You know, you go to a doctor, you go to Walgreens, you take it home. This is, you're going to go into a clinic. Um, and, uh, you know, people can check out, we have a supplement business called My Crew Doses. Um, so just harnessing the power of mushrooms and, and the things that help me. Um, focusing mostly right now on, on sleep and rest, which is imperative for recovering from concussion and, and just everyday life. And uh, I support a lot of veteran organizations. So this is um, Heroic Arts Project and, and Jesse Gould. Um, they connect uh, veterans to psychedelic therapies, mainly ayahuasca. And uh, this is um, uh, No Fall, No Fallen Heroes, and and Matthew Wiz Buckley, um, uh, and he uh, does does a lot of the same things. So just um, connecting, you know, he's a former Navy pilot, and, and he connects uh, veterans to to ibogaine therapy, uh, mostly in in Costa Rica. Um, and, uh, and then I'm training right now for a 211 mile race. Jeez. We are, uh, yep, uh, parachuting <laughs> in for a mile, uh, swimming 10 miles and then, and then running 200. I might not have any hips or knees after that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. And that's with Jonathan Wilson in V mind health. Uh, and, and we're just trying to raise awareness, um, uh, in and around veterans day for a traumatic brain injury um and and suicide prevention so um so yeah yeah that's uh those are you know three of the main three of the main organizations that i'm kind of working with right now and and what i'm up to awesome fuck yeah yeah buddy <laughs> well i look forward to like just following along just because you post good stuff and just really excited to see what, where you go from here too because like what you've done so far is just awesome <laughs> cool buddy no i appreciate it man and happy to uh you know, happy to have you as, as, as a follower and, and, uh, you guys reach out any, anything I can do, um, you know, to help your journey. Just let me know. Awesome. Really appreciate it, Daniel. Cool. All right, boys. Have All a good right, one. Take care. Thanks for listening to the WCB podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast to connect with Jerem and Tanner. Check out the boys at WCB podcast on all social media. We'll see you next time.